From Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. And this is episode 32. And as prime, yeah, this is episode 32, Jill. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. The last episode was episode 32. That's exactly what I was thinking. So I was, was like, that was a bonus episode. Oh. And it started out as episode 32, but then it shifted and we went with bonus episode. Got it. So I'm here today with Jill. Hey, guys. Introduce. And guys, again, we are blessed with the company of. Mel and Jen, guys. Whoop, whoop. Hello. Hello <laughs> and if you didn't listen to the last episode, Do. then you don't know who Mel and Jen are. So, <laughs> so maybe go listen to that, then you'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 32, part A. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take that out. Mm-hmm. But as promised, um, we are going to discuss step 12. And last last episode, the last actual episode, we talked about service and what our experience with service is. Just from from all levels, whether it's speaking in a meeting, I think Jill brought that up, mm-hmm. yep. or if it's working with a sponsee, or if it's doing something outside of AA to be of maximum service to the community or to people that we uh, care about. Mm-hmm. But uh, that is that is service, and that can be anything you want it to be. That can also be your part of step twelve. Um, however. Step 12 in the reading, how it is read, is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, not a result. I was reminded early on when I would read how it works, and I would say as a result. People stop as the result. Mm. Yeah, very picky about their A's and D's. Language is very important. Yeah, commas. Mm, That too. We tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. It's it's a two-parter. Two-parter. Yeah, practice the principles in all of our affairs. Do you do that? I try my damn hardest. I really do. I mean, like, I like this way of life. I like doing the right thing. I like that all this is incorporated in my life. And it's important for me Mm -hmm. to do the right thing. I don't want to live that kind of life anymore. And so, yeah, you know, I try to be as honest as possible. And, you know, every single one of those principles. Well, that's, the, that's the point. Yeah. How about you? Do you? Yes. Yeah. Um, I I can't sit with discomfort. I don't sit with discomfort well. Okay. So if there is um, something that might be inauthentic to me or um, disintegritous or, you know, I, you know, I've, I've formed a, an enough relationship with my body and myself that I know when, I've done something that might be iffy, you know, which it doesn't happen very often. Right. Like I don't I'm feel pretty, okay. Yeah. Like at I, all. I can't, I can't hold it long. And so I, I usually have to address it pretty immediately. Um, but if I didn't practice the principles, uh, what would be the point? I don't know. You I feel know like I'd I mean? still be the same person I was before. Yeah. yeah. But just sober. Yeah. And, I just, that to me is just a no-go. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to keep the journey going. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you don't have to keep repeating the journey, but like just just continue the journey. Yeah, I mean, I've learned from my mistakes and I don't want to repeat them. It feels good to have esteem and feel good and it feels good to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and make amends if, you know, if you 
if your baser instincts take over, you know, and you didn't really approach something logically or rationally, you just make amends because we're human. You know, it's going to happen. Right. We don't need to beat the shit out of ourselves for it. Like I did plenty of. Now, I find myself having to make less amends these days. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the things that we're talking, like if you were to ask me an example, I'm not. There is an example that I have, but I don't feel comfortable repeating it. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. It just feels nice that it's just this is what I'm used to now is doing the right thing and, and maintaining this type of what like integrity is important to me because I didn't for so long. Yeah. And I am changed and I am changed because of the steps. I mean, that's just simple. So you had that spiritual awakening. I've had many of them. As the result of the steps. Yep, many of them. Yeah. I mean, the first time when I had it, I was like, that will never happen again. Yeah. And so a couple of years after doing the steps the first time, I was like, I want to do them again. And I guarantee you, it's not going to work this time. And it did. And I did have a spiritual awakening. It's, um, I really like that. Yeah. Well, I, um. I'm kind of like you. I try to practice the principles in all my affairs. I try. Exactly. I can't. I, can't. I, I miss it. I miss it a lot sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I hate. I mean, I'm I'm going to go through the the principles of the twelve steps of AA. Yep. And it talks about in um, we agnostics. It says that you know that deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God, mm-hmm. and it may be obscured by pomp, calamity, or the worship of other things. Right. But the fundamental idea of right and wrong is is, is there, you know, mm-hmm. it is for me anyway. And and I guess those were things that maybe someone, whether it be a teacher, a parent, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, someone tried to instill in me as a young child, you know, the difference between right and wrong. Because there's certain things that don't burn your hand when you touch them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so, absolutely. But they can be obscured even now, you know, mm-hmm. by pomp calamity you know I, I hate to use the term worship of other things but anything i pay more attention to is is has has become you know so important to me that i'm going to put it first in my life and then usually when i do that it's a train wreck yeah yeah so what what i find interesting as far as all that goes is like back when i wasn't sober i didn't care right but now i do care I've, I've developed an incredible amount of empathy and um you know love for people that i just i can't do those things anymore i care deeply absolutely yeah what are you going to say i'm sorry hmm. <laughs> i was going to say something it was what you said mike the last thing that mike said we'll get back to you cool yeah yeah, I got a text from one of our listeners. I guess they know we're recording right now. So oh, that's very supportive. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I was trying to, um, yeah. I, I remember what I was going to say. Oh. Um, the spirituality part has mm-hmm. been really important for me to continue to practice those principles in all of my affairs. Yes. Um, because once I connected with that, right, and if, like, let's say, I think ultimately the energy of my higher power is love and kindness and compassion and empathy um, tolerance. Well, I mean, yeah, all those like, beautiful things. Yeah. I, you know, patience and, um, you know, if, if that's the, the spirituality that I'm leading with, you know, my spirituality is certainly, it is at the top, right? Like it might not be, 
it's recovery. It's, it's AA, but it might not always be like labeled AA. It could just be like something's guiding my life right now. And I trust it. And what does that thing want from me? What do I want from me? And I want to be a, a kind, empathetic, patient, loving, light-filled person who is also still human, right? So we got to have grace in there somewhere. Yeah. I like it. You yeah. know, so if, if I if I lead with my spirituality, it's usually going to the principles f- f- live within the spirituality. Does that make sense? That it does. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. It does. Okay. Perfect sense. And, um, you know, I remember early on in, in recovery, and I may have brought this up on another show, but they would they would talk about, especially the older guys, would talk about if you really want to see how good someone's program is, follow them home and see how they act at home, mm-hmm. you know, which is creepy as hell, <laughs> you know, because. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. I mean, if you actually call. imagine that. Well, we need to put a disclosure in there somewhere because some of these folks might take that seriously and you, you know, you. You see old peeping Bob or something outside the window trying to no, but what they were, what they were trying to say is, you know, are they trying to practice these principles in all their affairs? You know, are they, you know, are they, are they coming up here and giving lip service at AA meeting, Mm -hmm. you know, saying, cause it's anybody, I guess in our profession can, can lie their way through just about anything. You can hide out in AA. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And be one person in AA and another one in their home life. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, seen it. I just couldn't imagine being like two other people. Me either. Or, or having another side of me. That actually no. tires me. That Well, I was just fixing to say the, the addiction business in itself was so exhausting. Oh, my God. God bless. Yes. I mean, just for me to have to find the alcohol and do the math, you know, this many pints lead to a fifth and this many fifths lead to a half gallon and this many half gallons lead to a divorce. And, you know, all of those that equations you had to put in your head and keep going at all time. I got to wake yeah. up this many hours before I go yeah. to work. Oh, my God. And, and I, I would usually have to stop drinking 18 hours before. I went to work, and even then, when I got there, I couldn't hold a pencil. Bro, you know, back then we used pencils. <laughs> Had I known we not use pencils in the future, <laughs> things may have been a little different. I love pencils. The damn pencils. <laughs> couldn't hold a pencil. I had to have someone walk behind me, walk beside me, and uh, and write because I couldn't. You know, I just shaking. shaking constantly. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, it was a. Um, but that's brutal. Yeah, but just that addict, that business alone, I can only imagine it, ha- trying to hide in plain sight, you know, be be Mr. or Mrs. or them AA, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that was the relief I got coming to AA. Yeah, you got was to that quit relief? doing that. Yes. Yeah. God yeah. damn, I am so tired <laughs> <What> you- of <laughs> this story, what? you know, and this why yeah you know like i'm not being true to myself i'm not being true to who i am i i'm going against everything you know i've been living this way that goes against everything that i believe or what i used to believe you know and i'm grateful that all came back you know when i came sober that that part of me the these good qualities that i was scared were maybe gone you know um came back through the steps you know yeah yeah, and i was like okay i do love myself but that did not come overnight no no, it didn't. No, and and it you know and and to be honest with you, there's got to be room for growth throughout my entire um, oh my recovery. If not, it gets boring. But you mentioned earlier, like I think it was you that worked at the eye doctor store. Well, you know, whenever a person works behind the counter, 
and they're having a bad day, but the customer walks in, you've got to put up that facade of, you know, happy employee, happy, whatever it is, you know, in order to fulfill your role, you know, and just that having a job, having to be, whether you're a supervisor or let's just say you're that person that waits on the customer, just, just that little bit is tiring to me. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that industry, um, can be exhausting, you know, when you, when you are giving so much during the day, um, of your own personal energy, you know, and you come home and you don't give that to your partner. Don't ain't much left for them. That can yourself, be yeah. it for, for yourself and for your partner. But, you know, you come home and just don't want to talk to anybody, you know, and, right. and that, that was something that I learned, um, it, when I got into that, that industry, um, of how that could affect, um, the home life, you know, so I really had to look at, um, that and, and how to balance, well, how to home, balance that. The home life. And then also having the space to carry the message and work with sponsees, you know, it's, um, you know, to, to be transparent, I, I, do I have any sponsees right now? I don't think I have any sponsees <laughs> right now. Um, there was a straggler at one point. Um, but I, I'm a massage therapist and I'm an embodiment coach as well. And so I'm, I'm, intimately close with people on a day-to-day basis and you know showing up for people in that way and like hearing what causes them stress and how they may want to all you know change how they process stress and you know working out the stress from their bodies it's that is it it is absolutely exhausting it's so gratifying and I'm so grateful that I have it because I do feel like in this space where when I when I don't have sponsees or when you know I I'm I'm not going to meetings. It's I'm still being of service. And so I have to, and you know, yeah, I'm getting paid for it, but I, I show up, it's not about the money, right? Like it's, I'm showing up for people in a way that they might not be used to people showing up for them. And so I try and, you know, even carry some message, right. Of compassion and empathy and, um, you know, betterment to the people in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It might might not always be about AA, but there's, you know, if you can provide someone hope, or you know, if they're in a dark moment, and that's just that 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 shows a lot about growth. You know, taking, you know, I, I guess I, I learned the basic principles in AA, and then as I move forward in life, you know, you get out there and you start to be able to help others. With you know, it started with the basic principles, right? Because right. I, I mean, I couldn't hardly tie my shoes when I got to AA, For you sure. know, and I really didn't give a damn if you tied yours or not to me. Yeah, and then, Velcro, you know, and nobody then, has time for this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man, <laughs> had to make sure I didn't still have my Velcro on. <laughs> Your kangaroos, <laughs> a, a ruse, a little pouch right. for my lunch money, <laughs> a little hidey hole. <laughs> but y'all are all too young to remember that. Uh, I was there. Was you? Well, yes. I had a pair and they were purple. Man, uh, a lilac. I don't think I was far behind. What do these shoes look like? They were Velcro 80s shoes. Oh, Early man. 80s. Like 82, 83. I, I don't think you were alive yet. I, I, I wasn't. I came later. <laughs> well, well, you know, and, and this would probably be another show. But <laughs> 80s shoes were amazing. Oh, God. So we need to do the first car that you had in sobriety <laughs> and the shoes Shoe, from the 80s. Uh, shoes the, from the 80s. The jellies. Yeah. Fuck the jellies. Yeah, my parents wouldn't let me wear those. Dude, blisters and stinky feet and sweaty feet. That is not pleasant. Sand would get in them really bad, oh, too. God, well, you're from, you know, Florida, so you you get it. Yeah. And they were jelly and 
sticky. Yeah. It's stuck. Everything's sticky yeah. to them. Oh, God, they were gross. Yeah. They were like like children, but in a in a shoe. <laughs> I think that's why people could relate to them. So it was like, we have a children in a shoe. Edit, shoe. edit that out. <laughs> I think that's I very relatable. Won't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, a lot of our listeners did grow up in the 80s, so they, they understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So. I like kids. Let's just be real. They're they're sticky. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Even, even when they, you know, when they're grown. <laughs> My kids are grown. It's still, it's still sticky. <laughs> My kids have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're still sticky if they have kids. Yeah. So they have to go through the phase that we all went through, you know. But, um. Where was we, Jill? Well, we were talking about the 12th step. We're, yeah. yeah, talking about being able to help others. Yes. You know? And so we get the basic principles from, from the program of AA, and then we can take those out into the world, and we can become compassionate and maybe just sit down and listen mm-hmm. to someone who might have some domestic violence situation going on. It has nothing to do with alcohol, right? Right. Or they may have some depression issues. You know, of course, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I'm, I can listen. You know, We can listen very well. Yeah. And and a lot of us have, have been that to that, I have anyway, have been in that situation where you don't think anybody's going to understand if you say anything. Mm-hmm. They just don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, you know, and then there's those of us in the recovery community know exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? What's also cool about it is that you do have this freedom and you are happy because of what has happened within the steps. Um, and people see that and people... Mm-hmm. You know, especially where I work, they're like, you know, Miss Lampshire, how are... Miss Lampshire. Yep, that's what I get called. Okay. In the prison. Um, Fair enough. In the prison. Yeah, so... They call me Miss Walston in the prison. <laughs> no, I'm... Um, but anyway, yeah. And so they're like, how are you happy every day? <laughs> and I can point to the 12 steps on the wall and say like... Do y'all have those on the wall out there? Yeah, in, in our classrooms. And I can point to and say those, those right, that right there is what gave me what I have right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all really have That's those really on the wall. Yes. That, is, that is cool. In our classrooms where we teach, you know, and do the sobriety curriculum um, and, and all of our substance abuse classes, we have uh, the steps on the wall. Yeah. That's uh, That's really, I mean, I'm, I mean, I guess it would, you know, some people wouldn't understand it, but for the most part, yeah, yeah. I mean, one room has like the steps of AA, and the other one has the NA, which are basically exactly the you know, right. basically the same. So I never noticed the difference. Just a little verbiage, verbiage difference. Are the Al-Anon twelve steps any different? I think it might be. A, Have no idea. A, a, like mm-hmm. Tweaks they are. in the wording, yeah, like subtly. But they all the principle behind them is all probably about the same. I believe mm-hmm. so. Yeah. yeah. What's the twelfth principle again? Service service and i just you know it's like i can model that behavior that i've learned and that i practice you know that i practice and then i i try to you know share with other people that you know this is what i've learned and Mm -hmm. while i've been sober and like you can too like yeah absolutely you know it's, it's about um Attraction rather than promotion. promotion. So, so let me ask you this: What's up? Some some random person out there, whether it could be a fellow employee or it could be an inmate or whatever. Okay, but they say, 
uh, Jill, because I don't I don't really use last names. Yeah, don't call me Miss Lampshade. Yeah, that'd be weird. Call her Miss Lampshade. Kind of kinky, but if I say Jill, uh huh, what are how would this stuff even help you be happy? I don't understand. What would you say? Well, I understand. I know the answer. So you're yeah, not I mean, to me. it's just the process of all of them together. You know, first of all, you know, like, hey, I have a problem. Second of all, you know, you're going to need something a little bigger than yourself to like surrender all this to. But it take it took work, and it took it took working through the pain, the all the resentments, the anger, getting down to the core of all of that, and then giving that as well to God for all of this to happen. I mean, like, and, and of course there's so much more and there's so many levels of, of work that you have to do for this all to happen. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to have, you know, be able to help others or give anybody else some hope if I didn't clean up my side of the street and share, you know, do all that. Talk the you. talk to walk yeah. the walk. Yeah. 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 Oh. From the 12 and 12, I'm going to read the first paragraph on step 12. Okay. Okay. Let's go. The joy of living is the theme of AA's 12th step, and action is its keyword. Here we turn outward toward our few fellow alcoholics who are still in distress. Here we experience the kind of giving that asks no reward. Here we begin to practice all 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. Mm. When the 12th step is seen in its full implication, it is really talking about the kind of love that has no price tag on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One more paragraph. Our 12th step also says that as a result of practicing all these steps, we have each found something called a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. To new AAs, this often seems like a very dubious and improbable state of affairs. Indeed. What do you mean when you talk about a spiritual awakening, they ask? Mm. What do you mean when you talk about a spiritual awakening? Well, first of all, I didn't think I would have one. Okay. I didn't even know what it was. Um, I didn't know what it looked like. I mean, I felt like when I was towards, you know, step 10, 11, I was kind of like had the magnifying glass out, like, I'm looking for you. Like how I was just so like, how is this going to happen? And um, it's, I didn't even realize like it was happening till I was in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And then you just, all of a sudden your eyes are open. I felt alert. I felt like things were more colorful. And I know that sounds absolutely insane, but the grass was greener. Everything just looked brighter. And I had, uh, you know, the first time I, it was, I had faith for the first time in my life. And um, it, it just, it was soothing and it was, oh, it was just astonishing all at the same time. And, um, that's what I knew, but I still wasn't a hundred percent convinced. Yeah, you know, because it happened this one time, and I'm pretty sure that would never happen again. Which it did, but it sealed my faith in my high, higher power. It brought me to my higher power. It showed me for the first time, like, wow. It, at first, I was like, I realized I believe in something other than myself. And for me, I'd never believed in anything before. 
it to me was a miracle. Like, cause how I say this all the time, I mean, like, how did they know I would have a spiritual awakening? I don't have spiritual awakenings. Mm-hmm. I never had. And I did. And, uh, and I have them every time I go through the steps. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. To me, and from my experience, it's like, I probably didn't notice it happened until after it had happened. And then I guess the first one was a crack that kind of opened up to let a bigger one in. And mm-hmm. then, you know, does that make any makes sense? Yeah. absolutely. And, and then, you know, and, and then hindsight being 50, 50, you know, I look back and I go, wow, you know, this, you know, I, and I'm becoming more spiritually aware mm-hmm. over the course of, you know, so I had an awakening. Yes. That's the crack. Mm-hmm. And then as the crack widens, spiritually aware and I become more aware of, uh, I, and I guess it was in the form of a whole bunch of coincidences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But do you think yes. that was a coincidence, though? No. Oh, no. No, I don't. <laughs> right. Uh, just checking. Nobody has that kind of luck. Right, I mean, right. just don't have bad yeah, at that point, coincidences. You're like, that's what I would try to you know, uh, justify in my head. Like, oh, it, it just happened to happen. But you're right. It was kind of like a crack. And it's like some light came out of it. But then I went to the steps again. And it's just like through the years, I'm just revealed a little bit more. And a little bit more. Yeah. There's a Rumi quote that we have all probably heard of. It's called, um, the wound is where the light enters. Mm. Yes. So it's like you, like there's a wound, there's yeah. a crack. Absolutely. And then that's, that's where the light can get, get in. in. I agree. I mean, in that, just like through the steps, you know, I had to surrender, even though I didn't know what I was surrendering to and, and just give into this. Did you, let me ask you this, because I, Jill, I know your backstory, mm-hmm. right? So you can, you can jump on the bandwagon if you want to. Okay. But back whenever we got, you got sober, right? And you started having a spiritual awakening and life started getting better. Did you want to go out and just save everybody? No. I did. I, did I really it. wanted to go out and be like, how come everybody's so stupid? Like, how come you can't follow this program? I, I mean, I honestly look back now. I didn't know anything. I concur. Okay, so, I, <laughs> I, you know, tough. there's people that go through the steps and they're on fire and they want to go save everybody. And that didn't happen for me because that was a new feeling that I'd never had before and it scared the shit well, out of me. What I find ironic is every guest we have on the show says guilt, guilt, guilt. Jill was such a huge part of their early recovery, mm-hmm. but yet she's the one that didn't want to go out and save the world. <laughs> right? I did it. Right. I mean, just and, there. Like, and a lot of people have been like through the years, like, thanks, man. You know, because I, I always felt like something was wrong with my recovery because I just experienced like a lot of like, but in it. Yeah. Right. That goes to show how important just showing up is oh my god yeah you know yeah, what i mean because you're, you're, you're saying that you're your intentions you're not going out and trying to do this thing but you're showing you're showing up where where suffering alcoholics and alcoholics and recovery are mm-hmm. are hanging out you know and yeah. you're there and you're being a part of that you well, know yeah but in early recovery i'd never been a person of service and this is the deal i didn't know how that would benefit me and i know that it sounds selfish and self-centered kind of on both sides of it, but I didn't realize how much it would open my heart up to people, how I would grow empathy and love for other people or, and be supportive and uh, just be a better person. And that 
really changed my whole entire look on, you know, like view on things because I was pretty, you know, uh, shut off to the fact that like, I need to go help other people. And, um, I did it in my own little ways. Um, you know, like chairing meetings and stuff like that, but I would not step off into that sponsoring thing because uh, I was scared. And I still was in so much self-pity because that did not disappear that there's, I need help. Like I still need help and I, there's no way I can provide help for people if I'm still broken. Like that broken, it took a, it took years for me to get rid of that. Yeah. But I finally jumped in. And I finally did it. And, you know, as a result, I, I mean, I carried women through the steps and she had a spiritual awakening and watching her have a spiritual awakening. I had a spiritual awakening Then I was like, whoa, this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. It's some cool shit. It is. It is. Yeah. It's some cool shit. And what a man, what a naysayer when I walk in the door. I'm thinking this is some bullshit. <laughs> sure <laughs> enough. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember the first sponsee. It was like my sponsor was like, okay, all right, we finished the steps now. Go get a sponsee. Wait, what? what? The fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, God. And I, then the fear just all came back, you know? And I was like, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm going to break them. I'm going to make them even worse than they already <laughs> Right, were. right. How can I, how can I help somebody? How can someone like me help somebody else, you know? Yeah. And um, cool. what an ignorant thing to say because I had just gone through the steps with somebody who probably said the same thing, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing is like, how could I possibly save someone? Right. Well, and see, the thing is like when I went into, when I went into sponsoring, it was I wanted to prevent them from feeling as shitty as I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was the motivation of just like, please just, please just take this fucking suggestion because you're just going to be saved from a whole bunch of fucking heartache. But what I didn't realize, what I, I was robbing them of, of their journey and possibly preventing them from getting to that spiritual experience when they are, when they are meant to get to that spiritual yeah. experience. Yeah. And through those, those dips and the pain and in recovery is those are the lessons that you learn. Mm-hmm. And it has been through a lot of pain and all of that, which you guys, I mean, you guys have seen it. You were there mm-hmm. that I was able to pick myself up, do what I needed to do and, uh, you know, become a better person because of it you and went, a smarter person. You went day to day. I mean, Jill, what you got your master's? Yes. Yeah. You were in school for, for fucking. You got your master's. Yeah. Jill's a Jill's bad a bitch. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to say that right here, right bad. now on air. I think a lot of our listeners and, and you know, me and Matt both agree. <laughs> she's Yo, she's one of them. She's, she's, she's silent, but, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. Yes. She's got yes. the goods. Definitely a contender. Thanks, Definitely a contender in the world of contenders. <laughs> Compassionate contenders. Y'all are talking about spiritual awakenings. Yes. Experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember um, being in treatment. I was like ending my time in treatment and you were talking about um just the grass being greener jill i remember i just finished reading one of my one of my assignments i can't remember if it was stinking thinking or something like that acceptance and i got done got feedback from the group and god the sun was just coming in through the blinds the birds were chirping ashby's room we were not. We were actually, we were in, I was in Jeffy's group. It was in cabin. We three. were in cabin three. Mm-hmm. And 
y'all, I mean, I just remember looking around and I started crying. I was like, I've, I haven't, I haven't been this happy without a drug in my system or a drink. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing right now in this moment that I'm happy and I haven't taken a drink today. Mm. And that was a really, really mm. real realization in that moment. And, um, it got me emotional. It's a revelation. And I remember getting out of treatment and having, you know, I'm sure I had more experiences like that, but I remember, um, having working the steps and I was, uh, dry. I had a car at this point driving home from eye doctors in West Monroe and, on the interstate. And again, it was like the, the sun was coming through the windshield, mm-hmm. beautiful day. And I just started crying again, knowing that how I felt inside, mm-hmm. I had not felt like that sober since I was a kid. Yeah. It was gratitude. And it was so much gratitude mm-hmm. and so much gratitude and, and a culmination of things, you know, being able to see God now, you know, where I couldn't see him before and these quote coincidences happening, right? That were these God moments that at first were coincidences in my mind. And I realized later that are, are God moments and God working in my life. And um, I could see that now and realizing that too was huge magnitude, well, you not know, only, not only seeing, but I feel like the predominantly feeling, you know, I'm realizing that I'm changing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that something bigger than me is in my life and I'm changing and I can and I can see it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and um, what a what a beautiful there's what a beautiful evidence. thing. There's there's evidence. You know, there are, because of these steps, mm-hmm. you know, they turn into fact. Right. They become a part of your life. Measurable even. Yeah, definitely measurable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I think when I I think I've always believed in something greater than myself. Um I was just so deathly afraid of it. Because I I was filled with so much shame and so much fear that I was like if I actually get what I deserve, like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, if we <laughs> you, you know got like what I, I deserve, I wouldn't I, be here. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I have I don't know if I have the the fucking True. courage to face this spiritual being because like if he knows or they know what's in my heart, you know, it's like, what, what, what do they do with that? What do I do with that? You know? And it, I felt so unworthy. Oh yeah. I never felt or thought about that. (laughs) You felt worthy from day one. I didn't either. I was so selfish. I'm talking about like, you know, you were afraid that your higher power would maybe judge you. I just, well, I had, I, or because I had a belief, like it might've been different. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Like if they don't feel like there is a higher power, they won't fear it because they don't believe in it. Right. Right. You know, I, that's what it was. I felt, I felt unworthy because I did believe, but I didn't know how to formulate a connection or even like, how would they even want to, how would this higher power, the spiritual being want to even, you know, be there for me? You know, I'm completely and I'm just, I feel, I feel I was not unworthy. I felt unworthy, you know, and, but then at some point the people in my life and the women in my life started showing me my worth and going through the steps, I started to feel more and more awake 
and more and more worthy and having those moments, those glimmers of driving down the road and you got on just the right song and you might have the windows down and at sunset you might be driving to a meeting or driving home from a meeting, you're not really sure. But all of a sudden you have this endorphin bliss bliss and it's just like and it just feels it's it's not artificial mm-hmm. it's not like this is the feeling that i w- that i didn't think i could have without yeah. drugs and alcohol it wasn't fake happy it wasn't fake happy it was so real and then it just like those kind of kept stacking on top of one another and then there were sometimes you know the, i feel like the longer you're in sobriety you might lose sight of those simplistic. I'm with you, hundred percent. Yeah, on that, yeah. You you lose the simplicity of of that gratitude because before, like when you got newly sober, it didn't take anything for you to feel grateful. It's it it's looking back on it, and like everything was so huge. Yes, it's yeah. like the the when I look back, it's just something so small. But I was like, whoa, getting a phone. <laughs> And, getting a phone and, out of treatment and, and not losing it getting an iphone i oh, got an yeah. I, I got my mom's iphone 3 and i think we were already at the 5 um at the time yeah and that i was so grateful for that phone mm-hmm. damn i <laughs> got were a looking GoPhone. at me like the shit mm-hmm. <laughs> my parents Outdated. were like oh, yeah no phone for you you get a go phone <laughs> dude like in treatment when we couldn't we couldn't have music right like yeah. It, and it was when I would go on pass, like the first time I went on pass. I remember that. Oh my God. I felt like I was flying. I was levitating like music. It was like, I hadn't heard music in, oh my God, first months. I mean, it had been months, you know, and it was just like, I had full body chills, the endorphins, the dopamine. And it was just, it, it was euphoric without, it wasn't fake euphoria. It was like, holy fucking shit. I can produce this by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is wild. Yeah. And that's about the time the body starts reproducing it. Yeah. It's about yeah. a few months and, into it. And, you know, but I can't scientifically explain away some of those. The, you know, the promises talk about we will comprehend the word serenity, mm-hmm. you know, and we will know peace is the rest of that promise. But comprehending the word serenity is something I never, I just read it prior to, but there were times where I could comprehend what serenity really was, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, this peace in a in a chaotic world, mm. this there was just this peace, and I could comprehend that, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, all of these these small crack, the opening of it, the the spiritual awakening, and all of this, all of those combined, led me to understand that there really is a spiritual life if I pursue it, right? And and there's not if I don't. It's not like I'm going right. to work these 12 steps and all of a sudden become, you know, a guru or Mr. Right. Spiritual or a preacher. One and done. Yeah. yeah. No, right. I had to I had to continue that. And, yeah. and I have I, there's been times in my recovery where I've slacked off, you know, well, probably yeah. not not got the, you know, I haven't had a time in recovery. Well, I've had one, but where I was just absolutely positively miserable. Yeah. You know, all of it can be um all of it can be helped. And I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah. If you read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and it's talking about working with others, you know, the very first paragraph in this, you know, which is kind of strange, the very first paragraph in 12 and 12 talks about um, our life should be joyous, right? Yeah. This one says practical experience, which means, you know, they, they've learned it from experience, mm-hmm. shows that nothing will so much 
ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Mm -hmm. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. Carry the message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes me unique. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually thought I was unique when I got here, but this actually makes me unique because I can carry, I can help when no one else can. Mm -hmm. And I've had a spiritual awakening, so I can actually talk about something that I actually believe in, which makes it even stronger. Um, And I remember... I, I never was, and I get the big book was written in 19, what, 30, was published Nine. in 39. So probably 37 to 39 it was being written. But I can I can remember hearing that archaic language and hear them talk about how you go out to treatment centers and find somebody to work with and, you know, all the things that, mm-hmm. you know, we hear. Sanitariums. Yeah, I go to sanitariums and health farms, and, you know, I don't know what a health farm even is. <laughs> I just thought to myself, when you said that, what the hell is that? <laughs> no, I'm not going to go to the gym and try to, you know, see if I can work with any uh, any alcoholics at the gym. <laughs> but so we kind of do things a little different. Now, I am fortunate enough. Y'all been sober, same as me. There were a few 12-step calls in the beginning of my recovery sure, where yeah. we would actually go out and God. And, yeah. and do 12-step calls, Yeah, you know, which I have not done in probably 11 years. Mm-hmm. Right? It's probably yep. been that I only long. did one with my sponsor. I, I did yeah. three, um, all wet drunks, all with someone who knew one day I would need to remember that. Because I sure as heck didn't want to do it. I did. It was not altruistic. I was <laughs> drug. Well, actually, you have someone. So there's someone in recovery. They have what you want, mm-hmm. whether you admit it or not. They do. Right. You know, pride sometimes kind of gets in the way. I don't want to be like him. He's a dork, you know. Right. But secretly, I really wanted to be like this person. But they have something. They're like, hey, come on, we're going to go and uh, we're going on what's called a 12-step call. And you're like, man, I don't want to go on that, you know. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't want to sit in the room with a What if I smell alcohol? I probably shouldn't go, you know. I might get triggered. <laughs> yeah. And then you get drug up to this thing and you go and years later, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you are talking about it, you know. And I actually had a sponsee that me and another member of AA, we went and I, I was thinking it's three years into recovery, but we went and 12 stepped. And within four days, we were at his funeral. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunate situation there could have been could have been avoided. It don't have to happen like that. But that's very sobering. I had to see it. You know, Mm -hmm. matter of fact, um, this particular individual, I actually had to do CPR on. So it was to that wire point like it was really intense. And after the fact, you know, once the the paramedics took over and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. you have that same feeling of powerlessness mm-hmm. like there there is absolutely nothing matter of fact i used to talk about when i get into aa about how i was hopeless when i got here i had no hope whatsoever truth is i changed the way i talk in aa because of that because that young man had no hope once he was pronounced gone there was, there was no, hope no more hope there, but so there, there was some hope up until that particular second, right. but you know, those, those, and by chance, you know, after this event, I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sponsoring anybody else ever. Like I'm, this is just too much. You don't see this kind of stuff out there in the, right. in the drinking world. Right. You don't see it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff we see is just absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. And, um, 
that was on a Tuesday that he passed. His his funeral was on a Friday. On Sunday, I went to the twelve o'clock meeting, and the title of that they read, I guess, out of our, as Bill sees it, or one of the, one of our literature, was what I just read about nothing ensures immunity mm-hmm. and like intense work with another alcoholic in us. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being too selfish, you know. Maybe I could I I don't have the ability to to make someone drink. You know, I don't have the ability. Or not drink. Or not drink. I don't have the ability to keep someone sober. I'm just, I had a spiritual awakening. You know, I try to carry this message. Maybe that was a spiritual awakening, right, in itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't have to be a positive spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. But Well, it's, it's, you know, I feel like when we go and we work with alcoholics in that way, there's no way that memories of ourselves cannot be brought to the forefront of our brain. Oh, exactly. You know, and it's like they, they act as, as mirrors and God willing, we get the chance to bring them back from Mm -hmm. the edge of the cliffs of insanity or death, you know, you you relearn powerlessness. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. You relearn powerlessness. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I definitely did. Well, and you learn gratitude. Yeah. The first one I went on was disastrous. And Ava made me go with her. And I'm talking when she came in there, blazing uh, furniture was flying everywhere. I thought I was going to die that day. When the person you went to go visit was? They were not happy we were there. Oof. It was horrible. It was a train wreck. I just was like, uh. <laughs> read this book. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was scared. I, I got to admit, on the very first one I went to, I was terrified. I just, I just didn't know what I, I had that same feeling I had when I got to AA, like, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, but I can look back at, back on it all these years and go, man, I needed to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I had to see that. And I think that's how the, the first step can even tie in with the, the 12th step, right? It's like we come in admitting our powerlessness and, um, our unmanageability. And then in the 12th step, we actively seek out those same people who are struggling as we did. And then they act as a mirror. And it's like, it reminds us that where we came from, it reminds us where we came from. Exactly. And it also reminds us that, Hey, like just because you are doing really well right now and you have made incredible life decisions and you are, you have discernment and all of these beautiful things, you can still forget how powerless you were and how powerless you still yeah. are. For the grace of God, there goes I. I and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you're like, thank God. Thank you. And there are and there are so many things that we are powerless of, but it's within that powerlessness and surrender that I've actually found my power. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's a complete and total mind fuck. Yeah, <laughs> there, is, there is definitely power in, in that. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Well, like we, you know, when it clicks for us, we just want to share that. Like you said, yeah, you know, we just want to share that share with everybody. Shake the shit we out just want to <laughs> like help like everybody. The dude on It's a Wonderful Life, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Like, <laughs> he has a whole new way yeah. of life, like thinking of life, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's forever changed with a new pair of glasses. And that's what we were blessed with, mm. you know, with the steps. And we just want to, we want to share that with others. And when they're, you know, doing things wrong or not taking suggestion suggestions, you know, you want to just keep doing that. You know, you're not going to get to this feeling, you know, and this control and I'm wanting to, you know, just control them, you know, cause I want them to be happy. And, yeah. you know, like Jenny said, you know, 
doing too much of that can rob them of their experience of, of experiencing, you know, the downfall and getting back up, you know, whatever that may look like doesn't mean they have to go back and drink, you know, but going through whatever negative experience, you know, they may need that, you know, God's putting that in their life, you know, to learn from, you know, and, um, definitely, definitely had many, many of those experiences. Well, and Mm -hmm. something you said made me think about the frustration I had in early, you know, once I started sponsoring people, because I was still in this surrender, um, like tug of war with my higher power. I didn't know how to let go of complete control. And I got, would get really frustrated because no one would, of course, take suggestions. They wouldn't, you know, they weren't doing what I thought they needed to do. And so I'd get pissed. I'm like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. Um, but then that was a huge lesson for me. I got to learn how to let go of the need to control, um, which, which is huge, huge for my recovery. And uh, once I was able to do that, like it's, it's changed my sponsorship in, in so many different ways because like, I can lead you to the water, but I'm not, I can't make you drink. And it just like, I can't waterboard you, you know? (laughs) Well, I don't, I don't really feel like I want to torture anybody, but um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No torturing today. Just a little. Yeah. That was a lesson for me, you know, through them. And, um, you know, now I can go into it like more carefree. Well, yeah. I think too, like what you're speaking to is like in going, it pulls back to that powerless, right? Because there, and, and the acceptance of our powerlessness, because we have to bring that into working with sponsees because we, we don't have the, the power that we, I don't know if it's really like what we, the power that we think we have, but it's like, even by our, our sponsees, when they don't take our suggestions or they're just, they, they're not ready in whatever aspect that looks like we have to own like, Oh, that's right. Like we're actually powerless over this person's, you know, actions. This mm-hmm. isn't, this isn't a, um, a, what do you call it? A, uh, a reflection of my sponsoring. Right. Because right. I feel like that's where our brains can go. It's just like, I'm a shit ass fucking sponsor because <laughs> yeah. our ego is there. It's yeah. not going away, but we have to get to a point where it's just like, Oh, I'm powerless over drugs, alcohol, people, places, and things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that I, I you ever say you ever sat in a meeting and your sponsor sponsee is fixing to share and you're just like oh. Ryan. <laughs> no. <laughs> no Don't no. give me a shout out quite yet. <laughs> Don't do it. No. Or even worse where they share and then someone old timer goes, Well, you need to talk to your sponsor because apparently they don't know. <laughs> Exactly. Oh You're God. sitting there going, "Yeah, you need to talk." You're smart. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> well, yeah, but absolutely, reflection of your sponsorship. <laughs> it's like my street cred just went out the window. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was doing a good job. Not so much. But the truth is, if they're sober. You're, you're still doing, you know, they're still doing good. And, you know, and I have never, and, and this is just me, this has nothing to do with anybody else. Right. But I've never, to my knowledge, told anybody, no, that I wouldn't sponsor them unless I knew I was about to move. You know, there have been, I move quite often. So there have been people approach me after a meeting, want me to sponsor them. And I just be like, Hey, look, I'm fixing to move. It probably wouldn't be best for either one of us, right. you know, but I got a good friend named Matt that would love to sponsor you. you yeah. know? I, ha- I have noticed that if someone approaches me with, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for a sponsor and like, they've never met me or like, it's just, it, cause, cause 
I had to become aware that it takes a lot of courage to do that. And like, if there's a realistic reason why I can't like, I'll always have like that backup be like, Hey, I can't like keep my number though, just in case, like, I'd love to be a friend, but I think that there might be somebody else that might be a better fit that, you know, you could call. Like, I never want to leave them hanging. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, yeah. like, cause let me it, find someone for you. That's such a vulnerable place to be. Well, right? I remember asking my, my sponsor, my, my very first sponsor. I mean, I, I, it made my stomach hurt all oh, night yeah. the night before. <laughs> like, I just didn't want to do this. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I had people riding my butt about getting a sponsor too, like mm-hmm. my ex wife and, um, people at work, you mm-hmm. know, have you got a sponsor? And I go, I'm talking, I'm looking at this guy, you know, and, and then I ask him and he's like, well, let's just see how it works out. I'm like, no, you're supposed to say yes <laughs> or no. It's like too vague for a newcomer. Yeah, I don't think what? you can actually say that to me. It was, like, I, I don't was, know what that means. And then he introduced me to what he said. This, this guy will be your grand sponsor if it works out. If it works out. You know, that's like saying, this will be your mother-in-law if this works out. You know, <laughs> these will be your stepchildren if this works out. <laughs> you know, I'm just the whole it just kind of threw me for a loop. And but that is where my brain was going. Like I was thinking this was like some is thinking is a whole lot bigger than what it is. And it's huge, but it's not that big. Right. Not that big of a deal, but right. it's huge. Because it's simple. And I, th- yeah. I found that like the more I complicated it. Right. Like the harder it fucking got because duh. But like if you just keep it with, you know take it out of the big book. We're not therapists. We can't psychoanalyze. We d- can't tell people what they need, you know? And I think that that was something that I got swept into where I would try and, you know, tell them what they need, or I could so closely relate to their situation or, and it's just like, that's not how yeah, you're like, I have the answers. <laughs> please, please let me give you the answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like coming out of my fucking skin. Well, like, we have please. our experience, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and when we, for me, like when, you know, a sponsee is str- struggling with something, if I have a personal experience that I can relate to, I will share with that with them, you know, and how we know how important relating, you know, and somebody saying, hey, man, I've been there, you mm-hmm. know, hey, I felt that way. How important that is hearing that, especially from another alcoholic. Well, I'm a, I'm, I've had a couple of sponsees because I'm not that guy to tell you no. I'm not that guy to tell you to, you know, don't buy this. Right. have this relationship i'm just not that guy i'm the guy that's gonna help you with the big book yeah but i've had a couple a couple over the years who they'll ask you you know and you think they're just they, they don't really want your opinion but i have some kind of experience with it and i'll be like hey look here's what happened when i did this all right mm-hmm. i'm just telling you, you do whatever you feel comfortable with but this is what happened when i did it right. and then a month later or two weeks later you'd be like well what happened with that and they're like, well you said you know this is what happened when you did it so i didn't mess with it and you're like, what? You listen? Mm. Like, Shocking. You, you really that. listen? I would never yeah. have done that. Right? <laughs> never have listened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to I had to make my own decisions and learn a lot of things the hard way. Oh, yeah. You know, that was my, that was my fave. <laughs> yes, yes. So many my suggestions. Favorite. I just was like, yeah, no. no. I'm okay. <laughs> well. I'm going to try a few different things before I go to that one. But the <laughs> cool thing about that, you know, is that my sponsor, you know, during that would was there for me, you know, even oh, yeah. when I would fail and I did the wrong thing, I was honest about it yeah. and she supported me through it, you know, and would say, Hey, you know, I don't, you know, I don't agree with this, you know, but this is what we should do. And, you know, I stayed honest and tried to do the next right thing. And when I'd fall short, she was still there for me. And that built that trust and that built that she allowed me 
to fall on my own. Yes. Mom. Instead of telling me, no, you shouldn't do this. She, that allowed me to fall on my own and see it through myself and grow it through that experience. Um, if she would have kept forcing, you know, this way or whatever, you know, I may not have tried to, I may not have got there, yeah. you know? I think that's really beautiful too, because I, I think that, um, in my experience with being sponsored, there has sometimes been a lot of shame attached to it. Like, well, why did you do that? What, what made you decide that was a good idea? And to hear, um, you know, the, the sponsoring that you received, that was all right. Yeah. You know, it like no big deal, but like you, you broke a rule and this is the consequence, but baby, you're going to be all right. You know, like I, I feel like there's a certain level of shame that can be removed. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when it comes to alcoholics and drug addicts, we're fucking riddled with it. Yeah. Like, for example, like when me and Jenny were in the halfway house, you know, and we had this kind of secret relationship, we knew we had feelings for each other and we're doing, you know, we're working the steps, we're doing all, we're changing the way we think we're, we're changing these things in our lives and we're growing, but I have this secret and the secret is sitting here and, and they're telling you secrets will keep you sick telling and me secrets will keep me sick. So I'm telling my sponsor about it and she's like, you know, for you having feelings for somebody is not bad. You know, you having feelings for somebody is not a bad thing. You know, you're in a home where that is a rule and you're breaking a rule. That's why, you know, you feel bad about it, yeah. you know? And, but she didn't tell me to take some sort of action. She just kind of laid out facts. Mm-hmm. And in that, that guilt did its thing. And, I came clean, you know, I couldn't sit with that, that guilt anymore. And I got honest about it, you know, and it, and it worked itself out, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, didn't die, you know, when I got honest, Yeah, but did you, you know, I know burnt, you know, the, the world didn't come crashing down around me, you know, I got honest, got, and it felt humbling and embarrassing and, mm-hmm. you know, all the things, but after that felt really good, yeah. not holding that secret anymore. Getting honest about it was way better than holding on to it. And, um, you know, yeah, and being, and being able to carry that message, right? Like sometimes doing the right thing, like there, there can be a lot of fear and just like, oh my fucking God, I don't want to be honest about this. Like, I don't know how to be honest about this. And then when you're honest about it, you're just like, oh, that was a bit different than I thought it was going to go. Yeah. Well, we tend to blow things out of proportion in our heads. Almost, most definitely. Mm -hmm. And then like the more that you get in our brain. Anything that is unfamiliar will probably feel really fucking uncomfortable, no matter what it is, even if it's good for you. Scientifically speaking, physiologically, it will just, if it's unfamiliar, it will be uncomfortable. But unfamiliar doesn't always mean bad and uncomfortable doesn't always mean bad. That's right. Sometimes we have to do uncomfortable things in order to live comfortably. Is what John Jay told me that one time. I love that. I love that. Yeah, he he was. There are so many paradoxes within the yeah. recovery community. It's kind of wild. Yeah, but you got to be here to to hear them. I yeah, you got to kind of you got <laughs> to kind of show up. Yeah, if you want these little golden nuggets, you can go out and buy the golden the golden nugget book. You know, these are the golden nuggets from the eighties. Kind of like the, the shoes and kind of like the jellies. <laughs> the jellies. All right, we've about run out of time, guys. Um, I do have an email. Oh, okay. yeah, I got an email. I'm gonna read that in just a second. So. Uh, Go a couple of uh, analytics. We have 2,965 plays to date. Uh, we have 86 Spotify followers. So our last episode has gotten 24 plays so far, which is pretty good for us, actually. That's so awesome. Yeah, that that's actually really good for us. We have listeners, though, 
in Ireland, the United Kingdom, <gasps> Taiwan, oh my God. Bulgaria, Australia, Denmark, Saudi Arabia, Canada, and the United Arab Emirates. Bruh. Yeah. Wow. This is an wow. This is a worldwide podcast. Yeah. It, it's gone. Uh, this is really neat. It's gone global. So. And I think it's a beautiful example of growth, right? Like yeah. doing that at the at the at the end. Do y'all always do that? Y'all share the. Um, I, sh- I try to. Yeah. I try to share the analytics and do the shout outs. You know, we got some 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 loyal listeners that like. They they reach out to me during the week, mm-hmm. you know, and during the week between podcasts, and um, one of which had a birthday this week, uh, Larry L. Happy birthday, Larry! And his his wife now they were married recently. Judy, they listen mm-hmm. faithfully. Uh, we got some Koala Club members. We got um, Jane, yes, Kay, not Kay, Faith. A lot of them, Michelle. We got it. We mm-hmm. got just a ton so awesome. of Koala Club listeners, and we do. We appreciate every single one of Talk them. Talk about spreading the message, man. Well, we That's try. Right. We try. 12th step right here. But so this In is. action. I, I, she actually left a voicemail and it cut her off. So. Okay. And, I, I was wondering about that. And so if I have time whenever I'm editing, because I've got to edit two this week. Whenever I have time and I'm editing, if I can piece her voicemails together, because mm. she called back and left the second half, then I'll do that and play the voicemail on okay. the actual the published version, the edited version. But um, here's here's what we got from her. It says, hey, 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 guys of Grouch and Brainstorm, Mike, Matt, and Jill. This is Judy. I want to begin by thanking you guys for taking so much time out of your busy schedules to put this podcast together. There's so many of us that enjoy the podcast, and I know it's helping many people. Larry and I enjoy listening to the podcast every week. Mm. I actually like to listen to every podcast two or three times because I want to make sure I'm not missing out on anything. I especially enjoyed the podcast when you have bonus episodes, when you have a guest speaker or two like we have today. To everyone who's been a guest speaker, I thank you. Honestly, I feel like you guys have become part of my family since we began to listen to you guys every week. It's almost like a family get-together. When I listen to you guys, oh, it's almost like a family get-together when I listen to you guys. Next, I'd like to wish you guys and all the listeners a Merry Christmas, and I hope and pray that everyone has a healthy and happy New Year. Mm. The main reason behind this email is to wish my wonderful husband, Larry, of three months a congratulations of celebrating his 12th not his belly button birthday on December 15th. <laughs> yesterday, wasn't it? What's today? Or two days ago. I'm so it proud. Was yesterday. Of, it was yesterday. So. Oh my God. Happy not belly button birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Larry. That's right. I'm so proud of him and so happy for him. I'm so grateful that he accepted the incredible gift of letting go and letting God. Mm. I feel as though I'm extremely blessed that I have been able to witness him grow and transform to the man I love. I know it wasn't always easy, but without a doubt, it's totally worth it. I told him a few days after he made the decision to get sober, I would always be his biggest cheerleader. So congratulations, Larry. I'm very thankful for all the people that God has put in his path the past 12 years that's been part of his sobriety journey, and that absolutely includes you guys at the Grouch and the Brainstorm and all your guests. There's so many people that have been true, a true blessing to him, and for that, I thank all the ones that have been a part of his journey. I honestly cannot imagine where I would be right now in my life without Larry. His sobriety has been the greatest gift he could have ever given to me. 
I know if he wasn't sober, he would not be in my life. People will say that the happiest day of their life is when they got married or maybe when a child was born. As much as our wedding day was one of the best days ever, I have to say the most important day of my life will be Larry's sobriety date. Mm. Every moment of our life, good and bad, will we will face together because he has accepted the gift of sobriety on December 15, 2011. I want everyone to know that your gift of sobriety is more than a gift for yourself. It's a gift that you give to others. I, I guess you could call it the gift that never ends. Congratulations, Larry, from your number one cheerleader. Happy 12 years. I'd like to add a thing that my parents used to say to us. From the ashes of disaster grow the roses of success. Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you yeah, so absolutely. much, Judy. Appreciate that. And I'm um, always glad to hear from you. And I will try to piece together that voicemail, and we will play that on our live cast if I can, or on our, our published cast. So, But anyway, that concludes another episode. Got a lot in. So thank you guys for coming by. Appreciate yes. you. Look Thanks forward for to you coming us. back. I would love it. Thanks for uh, having us. Yeah. Whenever, great. We actually have the equipment to go remote, too, so we can go cool. down there and do it, too. So. <gasps> yeah, we have a remote <gasps> equipment. Mm-hmm. Road trip. Yep, we, have road guest, trip. we have a guest bedroom and a really comfy couch. Where's Jill going to stay? A- <laughs> no. Jill, Jill will actually sleep in the bed with us. Yep. And yep. Guest bedroom. <laughs> She's sleeping. Or the really comfy the couch. All right, guys. So We've been doing it for so long. From Rule 62 Studios in Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm.